And we are live. This is Canada Hoops Daily Presents Wrap It Up Podcast. My name is Sheldon Alexander. Thank you for joining me on this live and interactive Toronto Raptors post-game show. Coming to you after each and every Toronto Raptors game. You might be asking yourself, wait, what is Canada Hoops Daily? Well, it's everything from a Canadian perspective revolving the game of basketball. We're talking news, features, opinions, and more. Your daily hoops source for Canadians. Introducing Canada Hoops Daily, your full court coverage of the Toronto Raptors, Canadian NBA stars, and of course, Canada basketball. This is the Wrap It Up podcast, just the first of many projects to come under the Canada Hoops Daily brand. Huge shouts to the people at Canada Hoops Daily for bringing back the vibes of the Wrap It Up podcast. And of course, we wished it could have been better vibes tonight for the Toronto Raptors, but it's not always the case. The Toronto Raptors fall in this one, 116 to 110 to DeMar DeRozan and the Chicago Bulls. Tough one for the Toronto Raptors as they... They were down as many as 14 points, but battled back. Scotty led them back, but just not enough in winning time as the Bulls closed this game on a 13-3 run over the last four minutes and 15 seconds. Yes, the Raptors scored just three points in a little over four minutes to close out this game. That's not what we do in winning time, right? But still some positives to talk about. Saw some Bruce Brown action. Bruce Brown played really well in this game. Thought that was good. Scotty had some really good moments where he was dominating this game in multiple facets, whether it was offense or defense. 31 points, seven rebounds, six assists for Scotty B. In fact, the first Raptor to have multiple 25, five and five games, right? 25 points. That's five rebounds, five assists, at least, right? Then also adding into that equation, three steals and three blocks. First Raptor to do that multiple times in a season, your man, Scotty B, the new face of the franchise. This is just a scenario we're in. And it's a weird week in Raptor land because as the keys get handed over, as the torch gets passed officially to your man, Scotty Barnes, you're getting like visits from Raptors Pass along the way. You had Kyle Lowry last night. You had DeMar DeRozan tonight. Also joined in the building by Vince Carter, who happened to be calling the game for TNT. So he was in the building. Then the Raptors will go face OG Ananobi on Saturday in the Knicks. Just a lot going on as Scotty Barnes officially, you know, takes center stage, so to speak for the Toronto Raptors. So there's lots to talk about. And of course, send in your comments and questions because that's what we do here on the pod. As mentioned, it is live and interactive, right? And what that means is there are multiple places where you can interact with the show. So if you're listening to this right now, first off, bless us with the like, bless us with the share of the video. If you are on YouTube, make sure you subscribe to the Canada Hoops Daily page. Send in your comments there. Same thing goes for the Instagram page which is at Canada Hoops Daily. You can comment there, join the show, send a like, all that fun stuff. And also on the app formerly known as Twitter, at Can Hoops Daily. Follow that social media account. Make sure you send in the like. Make sure you share and tell your friends because that's how you boost the brand that is Canada Hoops Daily. And again, there will be more on the way from this brand for sure. So make sure you stay tuned. But for right now, we talk Raptors basketball after each and every game. So I'm going to give you my thoughts on what went down in this one. And in the meantime, between time, you, the people, will send in your comments and questions and we will discuss. A reminder, in case you missed last night's pod, right? It's available on Apple and on Spotify. Just search Canada Hoops Daily. That's where you can find this podcast daily in case you're unable to make the live show. We got you covered. We got you covered. But the reason I brought up last night's pod was because we did a, we spent a lot of time talking about Pascal Siakam and the Pascal Siakam trade and what the Raptors were able to get for Pascal Siakam. And 
yeah, there's lots there. Lots of comments, lots of people chiming in with their thoughts. And then, of course, the news doesn't stop because today was the first day that we heard from Masai Ujiri as he spoke to the media for the first time since even making the OG and Anobi deal. So lots to talk about there as well. I don't know if people have seen the Maasai clips, but maybe we'll read some of those quotes because it was an emotional press conference for Maasai Ujiri. He talked about just how much Pascal Siaka meant to him as a person, but also getting to watch Pascal Siakam grow into the player and the man that he is and how tough it was to make this trade, but that's the business they're in. Lots of stuff there. An emotional Masai Ujiri, looking like he was almost breaking down. Masai also, you know, dropping some swearing. <laughs> like Masai was fired up. He was on one, but it was an over an hour long press conference. So a lot there for sure. We will go through some of those comments after we discuss what went on in the game. But again, send in your comments and questions and we will discuss any and all things. So in terms of this game, as mentioned, the Raptors fall, but let's start from the top. Let's start from the beginning, and we'll go through this game just quarter by quarter, but not fully in-depth because really this came down to winning time and in the fourth quarter, right? But Raptors, second night of a back-to-back, taking on the Bulls, who, you know, Bulls have been on a nice little run as of late, playing a lot better basketball. But to start this one, you had quickly Barnes, Trent, R.J. Barrett, and Jonte Porter Still getting the start with Jakob Pertl not in the lineup. For the Bulls, you had Alex Caruso, Colby White, Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, and Vucevic in the middle. First quarter was a complete opposite of last night's first quarter against Miami. As if you remember, the Raptors were just red hot in that game. They had 41 points after one quarter. I want to say that seven threes, or they shot seven for 10 from three in the first quarter of last night's game against the Heat. Well, tonight against the Bulls, the Raptors started the game 0 for 9 from 3. But on the bright side, they're getting it done inside. Everything was to the paint. They were making plays there, started off the game, making 12 of their first 14 shots inside the arc. And that was helping them to keep the game close. Now, they're down 38 to 27. Meanwhile, again, to remind you of what happened just a little over 24 hours ago, Raptors scored 41 points in that first quarter against the Heat, led 41 to 18. So it was definitely the tale of two games for sure. And, you know, we talked about it after last night's pod, the little bit of time we did spend talking about that Heat game was the Raptors shot such a crazy number that you could almost anticipate the flip side happening in this game against the Bulls because you're just not going to shoot at that high of a clip multiple nights in a row. And especially on a second night of back-to-back where you might not have the same legs, right? But in that second quarter, Raps trying to make some moves here. Thought it was interesting. You know, Bruce Brown came in late in that first quarter and he was the third person off the bench, right? Dad Young coming in to, to get some minutes behind Jonte, who was in some foul trouble. And of course, Dennis Schroeder, who's still coming in off the bench as one of the first guys in a regular rotation. But Bruce Brown, early. Bruce Brown is an interesting person in this trade because I know a lot of the focus was on the three first-round picks. And I know I spent more most of the time speaking on the, the three first-round picks myself. But Bruce Brown is an interesting topic of discussion in this trade because if he plays on this Raptors team, and we saw this in the fourth quarter, Bruce Brown is the winning type of player that you add to a team of stars. Like when you need that role guy who's able to be the high level, you know, as we just talked about what OG Ananobi is doing for what the Knicks think they are, right? You plug that guy in, he's going to play defense. He can get you some buckets, hit the open three here and there. He's not a liability on the offensive end, but you're not going to really run your offense through him either. But he plays defense, does a lot of the little hustle plays, does a little nitty gritty. He's a dog, some might say. So there's a world in which the Raps could keep him, but there's also a world that is probably more likely that the Raps could deal him at the deadline as well because if you are a championship-type team or a team that thinks you can make a run, Bruce Brown is a perfect player that you plug and play to help your team in the playoffs. 
He can guard the other team's top offensive players. He can guard essentially one to four, right? Like that's how scrappy he is, even though he is, you know, not the tallest guy out there. But it's interesting because what can the Raptors possibly get for Bruce Brown? The thoughts are, you know, Shams is out here. Shams is out here dropping. <laughs> Shams is out here just dropping bread crumbs every day and just having the whole basketball world like eat out of the palm of his hands. And he's talking about Bruce Brown maybe fetching you multiple second round picks, maybe even a first round pick, depending on the team and how close that team thinks they are. But it's interesting because, as again, not a lot of talk about Bruce Brown in terms of the trade for the Toronto Raptors, but Bruce Brown can definitely end up being a very key part for this Toronto Raptors team. Now, the other part of this, Bruce Brown came into this game, and I mentioned it earlier. He finished with 15.7 rebounds in this game, and he came off the bench, played a tidy 25 minutes. He was getting a lot of minutes in that fourth quarter, 7 of 10 from the floor. He's making key plays. He's making winning plays. So if you're a Raptors fan, you see glimpses of what he could do. And when you think about how this team is built currently, and you're seeing the starting lineup quickly, RJ, Gary Trent Jr., Scotty Barnes in the center, whether it's Jonte, whether it's Jacoperto, that Gary Trent Jr. spot is interesting because if you think about it, you could have Bruce Brown start and take over those matchups that you've been putting on Scotty Barnes where he's guarding the other team's best perimeter player. So there's a world in which Bruce Brown stays and it kind of works or or the one that I think is more likely is you you can draft that guy. You can find that guy when you need that guy, I think, I hope. But it's interesting either way. Going to see how Masai plays this out. And one of the things he touched on during the presser was he doesn't think that he's done. He thinks that there will be more moves to be made closer to the trade deadline. And we know Masai Ujiri, you know, he 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 likes he likes the spice around this time. You know, he was spicy in this in, in this uh presser that he had earlier. So that was dope to see. The other thing that was dope to see. I was reaching for a charger there, if anyone's watching the video. If you were wondering what I was just doing, I was reaching to get a charger to plug in the laptop here, which was about to die. Um, but yeah, interesting stuff there in the second quarter from the Toronto Raptors as the Bulls, while the Raptors were worried about shooting threes, the Bulls know who they are. A team, a team that centers around DeMar DeRozan and centers around Nikola Vucevic, they know their identity and that's going to be paint touches. And so if you want to continue to shoot threes and miss threes, the Bulls are going to do what the Bulls do, and they're going to be able to get the ball into the paint. And they were able to do so despite the fact, you know, Jonte came back in, he was knocking down threes, which is what Raps fans want to see, that stretch five, you know, his ability to step out there and take and make shots without uh, hesitating. But I thought the Raptors, you know, in that, in that second quarter, in that third quarter, the Raptors were making moves, and the key person here was Scotty Barnes. Raptors closed the third quarter, in fact, on a 19 to 10 run, and Scotty was doing a little bit of everything. He had nine points in that quarter, but I think down the stretch of that quarter, closing that quarter, he was just super aggressive and taking the ball to the cup with authority. He was going up strong to score, not get fouled. He was scoring through contact. I thought, you know, there were some that maybe could have been called uh, a foul there. But just the aggression from Scotty Barnes. You saw that when the Raps were down and he was bringing them back. And that's the Scotty you want to see continued all the way through the fourth quarter and especially in the winning time. But that will take some time. We've talked about this all season, you know. Scotty Barnes is not what he, he is going to end up being. You know, like he's still on that path of growth and development, and maturity, and learning when to go, right? When to get buckets, when to get others involved, like understanding the flow of the game, that's going to come with more experience for Scotty Barnes because you see the flashes. And the way that he was dominating this game, it was pretty crazy. But he was able to bring the Raps back. Chicago led by as many as 14 points, but the Raps were able to cut it to four points. And Scotty had 22 points after three quarters. As mentioned, in that final two minutes, he was just getting busy, 
getting buckets, and going downhill, and I loved it. After three, 90-86, the Bulls led this game. Vucevic and DeRozan both had 20 points. I thought that Chris Boucher in that third quarter, or I think it was the fourth quarter, actually, pardon me. Chris Boucher, I thought, was able to come in, and he provided such great minutes for the Toronto Raptors, just doing the Chris Boucher things. And when when he's feeling good, you see him step out and be able to knock down the three. And for Boucher, that's huge, right? Like that's big for Chris Boucher. That's a confidence builder. And we know already that he's super confident and he's able to do that in rhythm. He's able to do that and really, really, you know, confidently be a key part of this team. And you've heard this stat over and over again. We talked about it last night on the pod as well. Chris Boucher being the final member of the 2019 team. <laughs> and I find it so funny because we keep hearing more about Chris Boucher being on the 2019 team. But from Raptors fans, we hear more about that than we hear about Kawhi being a member of that 2019 team. <laughs> And just in case you're wondering, yes, last night's pod, we did have a, a, a lot of fun breaking down why we keep talking about the 2019 championship team, but we show pictures of the 2020 team. I never understand that. I don't get it, but it's a thing. It's a thing. And uh, yeah, so Chris Boucher doing his thing. He gave the Raps a lead at 93, 92. Huge block on one end for Scotty Barnes and huge block doesn't even do that justice because Scotty Barnes defensively, the plays that that guy is able to make, like it is incredible what we're seeing from Scotty Barnes and night in night out. He continues to just show you the different levels of his game, the different ways he's able to impact the game, whether it's offense, whether it's defense and that block, that play. First off, the fact that he comes up with the massive block, then runs the floor, gets the ball on the break, finds RJ with the no-look pass. RJ throws it down for a huge slam. Raptors led at that point, 97-96. Now, at this point, it's trading baskets. You had Bruce Brown, you know, confidently making a floater in the lane. That tied the game at 101. Raps able to get a steal, but doesn't really lead to anything. Colby White, a name I haven't mentioned much, but he's been a key cog in the Bulls turning around their season and being able to play really well. He did it in this night. He knocked down a three to tie the game at that point. He had 23 points in this game on 10 of 19 shooting. Also give him eight rebounds for Colby White. That's crazy. And four assists. Just a super active night for him. But as mentioned, he's been huge in the turnaround the Bulls have had lately. And the flip side of that is as the Bulls were able to take the lead 106 to 103, it was Bruce Brown again. He made so many plays down the stretch and the ability to, you know, get off a plane, get a new uniform. I mean, pay to get your number, <laughs> right? And then check into a game and just fit in and play fourth quarter minutes. That's huge. And Bruce Brown did it. You couldn't even, he didn't look out of place. He didn't look nervous. He just played his game, did his thing. And, you know, I think it's a testament to the kind of player he is because what you learn about that is, well, that guy got to the league by knowing who he is, knowing what he does, working hard, and that's just what it's going to be. He only knows one speed. He only knows one way to play. So it's om it almost shouldn't be surprising that he's able to check in and contribute because that's just what he's going to do. He's going to cut to the basket. He's going to take shots that are within his rhythm, within his flow. And even in crunch time, it didn't matter. He played great fourth quarter minutes for the Raps. And they had a super small lineup at one point. I wonder how much we will get to see said lineup because you saw, you know, minutes you had RJ quickly, Gary Trent Jr. with Scotty Barnes and Bruce Brown and the raps, you know, they were able to, to switch screens. They're still able to get rebounds. It was just an interesting lineup. And it's pretty cool to see Darko move around the chess pieces. Cause now you got some options. You got some interesting options. And as this team continues to grow and develop into this phase of what the team is, I'm interested to see some of these lineups, especially in winning time. And in winning time, one of the things I keep pointing to and talking about in terms of, you know, 
let's enjoy and try to figure out what's really going on here and how good things can be for this Raptors team is Scotty Barnes in winning time. Scotty Barnes able to drive to the bucket again. I mentioned that tough to the glass, taking it right to the cup. He had eight points in that fourth quarter at the time. As again, this was just back and forth, back and forth. What do you do in winning time? Whose best players were going to make the play? And at that point, you had to give credit to DeMar DeRozan. He hit a super tough shot in the lane, hits a spin move, mid-range Jimmy, knocks it down, bulls up three, 112 to 109. An interesting move as Dennis Schroeder with just over a minute left, subbed into the game for RJ. And, you know, that stuff, that's the stuff that I'm talking about, right? It's going to be super interesting to see what these rotations are. RJ, 17 points on six of 16 shooting tonight, one of six from three. Not really the numbers, you know, not the efficiency you've seen from RJ through his Raptors tenure so far, but, you know, winning time. I'm interested to see how the substitutions go. So Dennis Shub subs in for RJ. Um, they start throwing a double team at DeMar DeRozan, forcing him to pass the ball off. And it lead it led to a defensive rebound for the Raps. They get the ball the other way. Scotty's able to get to the line. He only hits one free throw, but the Raps were down two at that point. Still really, really tight game. DeMar DeRozan, again, what do your stars do in winning time? DeMar DeRozan gets the ball, drives in the lane, gets quickly to bump on the, to bite, pardon me, he gets quickly to bite on the pump fake, which, you know, those familiar with DeMar's work in Raptor land know better than to bite on the pump. Well, I can't even really say that because if you if I rewind back to the Bulls-Raptors game early on this season, if you remember that game in which the Raptors lost in overtime, that game was marred as well by biting on DeMar DeRozan pump fakes and sending him to the line which led to the comeback and the eventual win in OT. If you remember the Caruso big-time bucket that he hit to win that game. So, yeah, DeMar DeRozan getting to the free-throw line because that's what DeMar DeRozan does. Pump faking, getting people to bite again because that's what DeMar DeRozan does. 114 to 110 at that point. Uh, Raps still had a chance. Scotty Barnes bringing the ball up the floor and... As mentioned, this is not a knock on Scotty Barnes. This is just the reality of what this game was and what a lot of basketball games are. Keep the game close. End of the game in winning time. What do you do in winning time? My best player versus your best player. DeMar was able to execute. Scotty Barnes was not. A tough play late where he turns the ball over, you know, dribbles the ball off his leg, turnover. Kobe White was able to get a layup that a tough lay in actually made the lead six points at that point. And you know, final score, as mentioned, ends up being 116 to 110 as the Chicago Bulls win that one. And they win 116 to 110. As mentioned, Vucevic and DeMar DeRozan both finishing with 24 points for the Bulls as they hand the Raptors a loss. Raptors lose on the second night of a back to back. And as mentioned, Bulls close this game on a 13 to 3 run over the last four minutes and 15 seconds in this game. But to me, the real story of this game, and I know the league is trending to shooting threes, shooting threes, and you know, you're just going to keep shooting threes. I get that. But the Bulls had a 74 to 50 advantage in terms of points in the paint. So listen, that's not going to be every night. I understand that. But the Bulls, especially Vooch, dominated that paint. 24 points, 13 rebounds for him. DeMar with 20 and 7. And of course, the Raps, again, what we've seen during this run where the Raps have lost, what, 5 of 7 right now at this point? They're missing Jakob Pertl. They're just mess- missing a center, right? And this reminds you of what the Raps were struggling with last season before they made the Jakob Pertl trade. And this isn't about Jakob Pertl being some superstar, all-star center. It's just a serviceable, serviceable big who's able to get rebounds, who's able to be some form of resistance to a lot of the NBA centers in the league. Vucevic would have had a much more difficult night. And at this point, it's tough to put all that at jo- on Jonte Porter, who's just now getting his feet wet in the NBA. So tough one for the Raps as they fall. As mentioned, Scotty Barnes with 31 points, seven rebounds and six assists. Um, the Raptors, as mentioned, if they get out and score easy baskets as well, 
You know, they had a 21 to six advantage in terms of fast break points. And that's what the the Raps are going to try to do because they don't want to sit in the half court and they don't want to be able to sit in that half court and have it be, um, sorry, the Bulls want to sit in the half court. They don't want to get out and run with the Raptors and the Raptors don't want to sit in the half court and get, you know, hurt in the paint by Vucevic. So interesting stuff there for sure. RJ Barrett mentioned that 17 points for him, six assists, four rebounds, and Bruce Brown with 15 and seven in his 25 minutes off the bench in his Raptors debut. Manuel quickly didn't really have it going tonight either. Two of seven from three. And, you know, you look at these three point numbers Scotty Barnes shooting, attempting six threes, Jonte Porter attempting five. Gary Trent attempting four, Scotty one of, or sorry, RJ one of six, quickly two of seven. That's where things get kind of tough, right? And quickly in this one, he had 12 points in this game on four of 10 shooting, two of 10, or sorry, two of seven from three. And I think when quickly has it going more, mixing in some of the floater game, mixing in some of the mid range, that's where he's more effective. And Last night, we saw he had a big game in terms of assists and, and rebounds, just three and three on that point here, right? So remember, the other part of this is quickly now going from being a bench guy to getting starters minutes and the difference in that, and we talk about this a lot too, right? The difference in that is consistency, like how you're rated, how you're viewed in terms of being a star in this league or a starting center or starting point guard or starting just player in this league. The difference is what are you able to do consistently? Because everyone in the NBA can play ball. It's just what can you do consistently? That's what will place you in the pecking order. And so quickly, we have to remember, he's going from playing bench minutes to now being the starting point guard night in, night out. And so he's also learning that, you know, what, what your routine has to be to handle those minutes on the second night of a back-to-back. That's all new for him as well, right? So these are the interesting subplots right now going on for the Toronto Raptors is, again, they fall 116 to 110 to the Chicago Bulls. And a tough night for quickly, tough night for the Raps on the second night of a back-to-back because closing time was not good for them. That, to me, was the difference in the game. Again, huge shouts to all the people. I see the comments. I'm about to get to some of the comments here that are filling up. Really appreciate that as the people are are chiming in on the pod. And I'll get to those comments because that's how you interact with this show. You can do that in multiple places. You can do that on the YouTube page at Canada Hoops Daily. You can do that on Twitter at Can Hoops Daily and on Instagram. Canada Hoops Daily as well. That's how you interact live with this show. Um, the other interesting part here of this was we mentioned the Maasai stuff. You know what? Let me let me get to the comments. Let me get to the comments because huge shouts to the people who have been commenting. So we will get to that for sure. Uh, first comment says, uh, we better be keeping Brown. Dude's got game. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Brown showed what he's capable of doing. And if you are a team that wants to be successful, you need a player to contribute the things that Bruce Brown does if you are going to be a winning team. So the the point is, like, you know, do you have to get that guy right now? You know, is your team ready to win right now? Do you have, like, other pieces you need to really figure out what their roles are before you get there? But with all that said... The Raptors still do need to figure out their defensive end of the ball because there are a lot of defensive breakdowns. There are a lot of like, you know, loose balls the Bulls were able to come up with that really changed the course of this game that could have taken a turn at certain points. So it's interesting, right? Uh, We got Yak Barnes. I'm reading another comment here. Yak Barnes Barrett quickly. That's our future starting lineup. Anyone else consider trading Masai added? added a three nice piece for a three and added three picks. Let's see what happens with the fillers. Sorry. I, I read that incorrectly, but essentially it's talking about um, what Masai Jiri was able to add in terms of trading away, you know, OG and trading away Pascal, but bringing in a pretty solid player. As mentioned, Bruce Brown hasn't gotten much talk, but now that he's playing and you can see it on the court, 
people will be familiar. Raptors fans will get familiar. And I think he's a type of player that if he played for the Raps, he would become, you know, one of those fan favorite guys that Raptor fans fall in love with because he works hard because he's kind of that grinder type player or the dog as uh, our guy, Pat Bev likes to say. Um, Let's see. Uh, MC Maestro says Pat Bev thought the raps had no dogs with RJ Scotty. And now Bruce Brown, we could have a dog pen. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Um, good fight. Limit some turnovers and we might have that one. Yeah. You heard on the broadcast, you know, after the game, Sherm was talking about how the next step for this Raptors team, like I feel like when I talk to different people within the fan base and, and getting those vibes, the Raptors are losing games, but I don't feel like the fan base or people are upset at them losing these games. And I think because it's you're seeing signs of hope, you're seeing signs of they're in this game. But what Sherm was breaking down was the fact that, you know, the next stage is being able to win some of these games. You heard Emmanuel quickly talk about it a couple nights ago where he said, you know, we don't want to be patted on the back for staying in these games against good teams. Like, we don't want to be known for that. The like try hard. He actually used the term. We don't want to be patted on the back for, you know, almost winning. We want to figure out how we can win these games. And first off, that's great mentality. I love that he acknowledged that, but it's just also the truth of the matter, right? You're figuring out like it's now January 18th. The trade was made on what? January 1st or sorry, their first game with quickly and RJ was on January 1st. So you're ba- you're two weeks into this. And it's going to take some time to figure out how the pieces fit in winning time. It's going to take time to, for Darko to figure out the rotation. It's going to take time for the guys to figure out, okay, well, who likes the ball where? You know, what's our go-to plays? Who has the go-to moves in crunch time? You know, who is, who's the ball going to? What are the better matchups depending on who are the team, who's the team you're playing against? There's so many things to figure out and so much time to do so. And at this point, you know, I think, I think that's what has most people not too worried or not too frazzled by the fact that the Raps haven't been able to win these games, but they're, they're playing them close and understanding that this is about the experience. This is about the process. And yeah, I think, I think that's just the place the Raps are at now. And that was really what Masai Jiri was talking about earlier today as well. Uh, another comment here says was last night's game, uh, the passing or the passing of the torch was beautiful. Was asking myself when we turned, when we turned into the warriors, that's pretty funny. Uh, Julian says wrong to think with Scotty's mistakes at the end of the game shows. He still needs to be a second option. Uh, Scotty Barnes. Yeah, I think so. Scotty Barnes, right? The interesting part about Scotty Barnes is he does so many things well. But I tend to agree with Julian in this sense, right? Like Scotty Barnes can be the face of your team. He can be like, you know, the key cog in the middle that does a lot of stuff. But we've seen in other scenarios, right, with teams that end up winning at a high level that sometimes, you know, KG was the leader of the Celtics, but like Paul Pierce took the key buckets late. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying that Scotty Barnes is Kevin Garnett. That's not what I'm saying. But the point is, if that guy who is at the center of everything is not the guy to take the last second shot, that's okay. You know, Scotty as well is learning. He's learning how to deal in these pressure pack situations. He's learning how to figure out, okay, that same energy, that same drive that I'm coming with when the raps are down 10 and he's leading them back. He needs to learn as well and figure out, okay, now it's winning time. How do I make those same plays? but that's going to come with time. Also, I think quickly he's going to figure out there's just moments where he's got to just go, you know, cause he's still fitting in, but that's not what the raps need him to do. They need him to cook. Right. And sometimes he's got to just be that option that gets in and goes for the raps. So it will take some time for sure. Uh, what else we got here? Another comment was impressed with Scotty, not biting on the DeMar pump fakes. I mean, I think as I talked about it earlier, right? I think the Raps learned their lesson from their earlier matchup with the Bulls and that furious comeback DeMar was able to make late. Yeah, that was interesting for sure. Another comment. I'm wondering what the Raps team identity with Casey was 
or I'm wondering what the rap's identity is. With Casey, it was Pound the Rock era. Nurse was more big wing and defensive. Now I'm not sure. Is it drive and kick? To answer that question, I think they're trying to figure that out. They're trying to find that out. They've made trades, obviously, to balance out the roster more, have more diversity in their roster in terms of having more guards instead of just having, you know, because the Raps for a long time, for a lot of that little post-championship run, their roster was was filled more so with not a center and not a point guard, other than, you know, like not many point guards. It was Kyle and Fred who were like on the smaller side of guards, but then also not really having a center. Obviously, I'm talking about post-Surge and Marcus Saul, right? But now, as you try to balance out that roster, it's interesting. And I think they're trying to figure that out. And as Masai said earlier, the trade deadline's coming up. There's still moves to be made. They, they're focused in on the core, you know, the core, like, three guys that they have right now in terms of Quickly and RJ and Scotty and having that as a starting point of, like, your core, core guys. And then just seeing where else that can go. My guy August says, too many three-point attempts in closing time. When you're facing a closer like DeMar, just know that if you don't make them, you will lose, period. I think that is true. I think, you know, also, you're shooting threes. Well, shooting twos just go in at a higher percentage. I'm not a math guy. I'm not a mathematician. I'm not one of these stat guys but I know that people shoot twos at a higher clip than they shoot threes. And so in winning time, if you're not Steph, you know, running plays to get open looks or to have someone get your best players, the ball going downhill. And also just, you know, that's why I thought the RJ to the bench was kind of interesting because the one thing that RJ does provide is the ability to have the ball and get to the free throw line. Get yourself some easy buckets. And that is a huge part of winning time. Raps unable to do that, right? Uh, another comment here we got. I'm not upset at losing because I would love to end up with a top six protected pick come June. Uh, one of the other things that Masai mentioned today, I will add in, was that someone asked if he expects to have all of these 2024 draft picks that he currently has heading into the draft. And it seemed from his answer that he doesn't anticipate having all of these these uh, draft picks. So, you know, that probably means he's open for business, right? It probably means he'd be open to dealing and making, making the deal to either add or send out one of those draft picks. Can you, you know, send out multiple draft picks to get another team to send you a young prospect because they want to rebuild? So that's kind of interesting. I think that's an interesting subplot here because the trade deadline is just going to be so interesting because there's so much more that can happen to the wraps. And I think when you look at where this team is, you just want, you're in asset building mode. You're just trying to build assets if you're the wraps at this point. So I think that's pretty cool where the wraps are at. I think Masai has them in a good spot and we'll just have to wait and see. You know, trade deadline's not too far away. The Raps will still be involved because, as we mentioned, Gary Trent Jr. is a free agent. There's been whispers about, what are you going to do with Dennis Schroeder? What are you going to do? You know, there's been talk about Yak if the right deal came about. Super interesting stuff for sure. But, you know, Masai, always interesting stuff from Masai Ujiri. And I think that, you know, the Raps... Getting to play, I mean, this was a TNT game. As mentioned, Vince Carter was in town calling the game for TNT. And you know that these guys get hyped up when they get the national TV look. And it's a big game for the Raps. And I thought that was really cool. And their new look team, it's pretty dope. We know that they have a fan in uh, Mr. Charles Barkley. So that's pretty cool as well, right? And uh, the Raps, you just got to, you just got to, you know, you're in the mode of finding your identity. Shouts to my guy, Zolfi. He he puts this out on Twitter. And, you know, that's another good follow for sure, just in terms of basketball content and Canadian basketball content. My guy says, the Raptors shoot three-point shooting the last four games. 26% versus the Bulls. 53% versus the Heat. 13% versus the Celtics. 
50% versus jazz. <laughs> That's pretty crazy. Just alternating games, being able to shoot threes is crazy, is a wild way to try to win. But here we are as the Raptors continue to try to, to make some, uh, make a push here with their new team. So what else do we got here? Shams dropping this knowledge as well. As we told you on last pod, how Christian Coloco uh, was waived by the Toronto Raptors. And that was part of finalizing this deal uh, with, uh, for the Pascal Siakam trade, the Raptors needed to create an extra roster spot. And they did so by waving Christian Coloco. And to this point, uh, Christian Coloco's team has kept everything private in terms of what Christian Coloco's team and also the Raptors. Like we didn't know. They just said respiratory issues. Well, today Shams put out that Christian Coloco has a blood clot issue that is threatening his basketball career. And so when you get that, we talked about it on last pod, that becomes the most important thing. And you just hope that everything is okay. And he's able to be healthy and able to just, you know, be able to resume life normally for him and basketball becomes on the back burner at that point. Um, so yeah, sending out best wishes to Christian Coloco for sure. And we will, you know, be on standby to see what's next for him, but that's, that's really tough news and difficult news for sure. Uh, more comments though, in the chat, I think the league may be going back to having big centers that can also hit threes. Hence Jokic and bead Wemby street clothes, street clothes. Well played. That took me a second to be like, Oh, Anthony Davis street clothes. What a nickname. I mean, and hold on. Do we still have to call him street clothes? Cause I feel like he's done a good job this year in terms of, of, of staying in the lineup. No, is that not right? I feel like that's the case. We'll discuss. Um, are we going back to having big centers? I think the NBA is just having big players. So before you wouldn't have your, you know, six, eight, six, nine guy have guard skills. And now they all have guard skills. So now a lot of teams are trying to play with that stretch five, just to have the ultimate spacing, You're seeing a lot of teams being able to play five out. And that way you open up the paint for cutters and slashers. It's super interesting. Super interesting stuff, but we all know that the way that the league works, there's different waves. It's a copycat league. Once a team has success, everyone else tries to do the same thing, but you won't have the same personnel. Because it's great to think, you know, like we're going back to big centers, but how many Joel Embiid's are there in the league? How many Jokic's are there in the league? In the world, forgetting the league, right? So super interesting stuff there. Uh, what else we got? Another comment says, yeah, can everyone who can shoot Scotty, RJ Brown, uh, quickly and Schroeder, Trent Boucher is a right now our eight highest paid players. Once extensions come through. Um, yeah, I, I feel like before we look to what next season can be like for the wraps, you just got to get through the trade deadline because there's just too many questions, right? Like Bruce Brown and Gary Trent jr could both either be key trade pieces, especially if you package them with the first round pick, or if you get them at a manageable number, both, or I'm talking Gary Trent Jr. in this instance, could be part of your team going forward, playing beside RJ and Quickly and Scotty, because you need shooting, right? And, and just period, no matter what your roster looks like, you need shooting. And Gary, when on, provides that. So I think that's interesting uh, for sure. I know there's some post-game stuff coming down here, so we'll read a couple of these clips. Uh, this from Blake Murphy. He says, Bruce Brown says he got back to India at 1 a.m. last night, flew to Toronto today, didn't know if he was going to play tonight, hadn't learned any of the plays yet or anything. Quote, I was setting screens and rolling like I was in Brooklyn with Scotty. <laughs> I did see some of those pick and roll and the little short floater. It's like, yeah, I remember seeing those. I do remember seeing those. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, he also calls Scotty a top tier player, a superstar player. Also, the story for people who might not know is that Bruce Brown came and he wanted to get his number and the number was owned by Jonte Porter. Now, if you might remember, Jonte Porter's brother is Michael Porter Jr., who were teammates with Bruce Brown. 
So Michael Porter Jr. was able to facilitate the jersey switch. Brown said he gave him two or ten thousand dollars. Ten thousand dollars. Now a reminder: Jonte, Jonte Porter, is a two-way player, meaning your contract isn't that big. So ten grand just to give up your number, man, I'd be giving that up. Real quick, I'd be like, yo, you want my last name too? You could toss in a couple extra G's. You could have my last name <laughs> if you want that too on the back of your jersey. Like 10K. And that's so interesting because, again, who knows how long Bruce Brown's going to be here for? What happens if Bruce Brown gets traded, you know, within two weeks? Does he get, like, his 10K back? Does he get, like, half of it back? How does that work? Or is it just, like, no refunds? That, those these are the questions that I want to know, but I'm a weirdo. I know that. I appreciate that about myself. And I just, if there's anything, I'm going to be honest with you people, right? Going to be honest. But these are the things that I think about. Ten grand to get your your jersey number on a team that you don't even know if you'll make it through the trade deadline with. That's interesting stuff to me, but a cool story as well. And I also think it's pretty cool that uh, Michael Porter's or Jonte Porter's brother was the one to negotiate this deal. I think that's kind of hilarious as well. Um, Bruce Brown also said he thought that uh, Jonte was going to ask for more. <laughs> Imagine that. Imagine being like, yeah, I want your Jersey for 10 K. And then having the audacity to be like, yeah, I don't think 10's enough. What about 15? Like, I, I really wonder, someone should do a deep dive in terms of what's, I should ask Alvin, you know, get someone to ask Alvin what the most money that has ever been exchanged for a jersey number. I bet you it's ridiculous. That would be my assumption. Uh, what else do we got here? Bruce Brown said he found out he was a member of the Raptors 32-ish hours ago. He got to Toronto, hasn't practiced with his new teammates. But again, 15 points, seven rebounds, 25 minutes. And he played the entire fourth quarter for the Raps. So that's that's interesting stuff. Uh, Scramble says, yo, that's an Annie up on wanting to stay in the game with us. Bruce Brown paying 10 grand. Is that him showing he wants to stay with the Raps? It's interesting. Super interesting. Um, yeah. That was an interesting one for the Toronto Raptors as they fall 116 to 110. Do people want to talk about Masai and the Masai press conference right now? Because we can go for a little more if people have interest in talking about the Masai uh, press conference today. But I thought it was just super interesting because Masai Ujiri, I mean, we know how interesting this was the last couple years because of what happened with Fred Van Fleet, especially, right? They watched Fred Van Fleet um, walk away for nothing. And not because, you know, Fred's a bad guy or there's hard feelings. Like, I think everyone understood the scenario where Fred wanted to come back. The team wanted him back. But at the same time, he just got offered way too much money. Like, you can't turn down that amount of money from the Houston Rockets. And he had to take it. But Masai Ujiri, one of the interesting things I thought from today's presser was that he acknowledged like he stressed patience, right? And he said he was maybe at certain points, even patient to a fault, meaning he gave this team a chance to, you know, see what they had, see what this core was with Fred and Pascal and OG. And they thought, you know, maybe adding Scotty to the mix would be enough to see if this team could be, you know, one of the top teams in the East. He gave them that chance. And I think him acknowledging that, like, for me, right? For me, as someone viewing this team, I think that it's pretty cool to see your GM be that vulnerable, be that honest, and even be honest about something that, you know, could be looked at as a mistake. Like, he waited too long, right? As he said, patient to a fault. Like, you look at what happened and you're talking about, I keep, I said this a bunch of times today and last night on the pod, but I think what you were able to get right now for Pascal, because again, 41 games of Pascal Siakam becoming three first round picks and Bruce Brown, that's pretty good. 
But of course, they could have gotten a lot more for Pascal Siakam in the offseason and a lot more for him definitely last year. So Masai Jiri being honest and saying, you know, he let it ride. He let it go just because he wanted to see what this team was and see if he could give them a long go. I thought personally that was super interesting. And that's a kind of insight. And I think why, you know, people love Masai Ujiri so much, why they believe in Masai Ujiri so much, because he's going to be honest with you, right? He's going to tell you what's what. He's going to be a straight shooter with you. And I think that part's really, really cool. Um, Masai Ujiri, you know, he got emotional talking about Pascal Siakam um, and just what it was like. Here's a quote. He said, quote, two African guys that won a championship I share that with him. And Masai, you could tell his voice was breaking at the time. You could see like he was choked up talking about it. He also mentioned that Siakam coming to basketball without borders was just to see his sister. His sister. He explained the fact, like as a reminder, you know, they had the basketball without borders camp in South Africa and Pascal was already going to school to become a priest or a pastor. And he really went to the basketball without borders camp to see his sister because his sister was in South Africa. So think about how crazy that is, right? That Pascal then turned into what he turned into, or as Masai Jiri referenced it, quote, it's not a stereotype championship for Africa, waving the flag on the bench. He was scoring. He was everything. He was a key contributor. I think that part's really, really dope. And he said, he also talked about his relationship with Siakam saying, quote, I think the lines of communication in the summer were not great. That part, I'm not particularly proud of. He said, based on their relationship, Pascal deserved better. He deserved more communication at the time, and he apologized to him for that. I think, too, Masai's been this, been through this a few times now, and obviously, DeMar's going to be the one that you know we remember the most because we remember how upset DeMar was about the trade and how he felt like he was blindsided by the trade. And I think if you're Masai... You're kind of learning, you're learning through this, right? And who knows what the actual breakdown of communication was about during the summer, but I feel like it's safe to assume that if you're Maasai and there's a lot of trades that are being offered for Pascal Siakam, you also don't want to, you know, you also want to be in a situation where you don't want to like say too much. Like if there's offers on the table, you know, you're probably not going to re-sign them. Like, what do you say to Pascal? You know, what do you, you know, you kind of don't want to like influence it one way or the other, right? You don't want to lead him on or say something that might make him think like, oh no, you're not tradable. We're not going to trade you because that might not be the case. Who knows if they were close in the summer to trading Pascal? Like you could see how difficult that would be. and. You know, imagine at the same time, if you're communicating with them in the summer and openly saying, hey, we're looking at trading you, but then you end up not getting the deal that you want. And, you know, and also the same thing they were dealing with at the deadline they dealt with in the summer where Pascal's letting teams know, hey, I'm not going to resign. So if he's not going to resign with Atlanta, Atlanta is obviously going to be less likely to give up a really good asset to get Pascal Siakam. So if you're a Messiah, again, like what are you supposed to be communicating at that point? Because you knew that there's a high possibility that the season would start and Pascal would still be on the team. So do you let him know you're updating him that he's in trade talks? That doesn't sound like a good environment. Even if that is the case, that's a tough position to be in. And I, I, I want to also add in that despite all of this, Pascal was nothing but professional this whole season, right? And even with, I don't know if anyone paid attention to the post game after last night's show, but the uh, past uh, Scotty Barnes, you know, post game scrum, and they asked him, you know, does he feel pressure now that he's the he's the face? You know, like is there any pressure that comes along with that? And he said no, but he also went on to say because we've already kind of known this, this was also already you know kind of out there already that they were leaning to it being, you know, the focus was shifting to being his team. So imagine now being Pascal Siakam and think about how you would take that. 
And instead, Pascal Siakam just came in. He's a professional. When his usage numbers were way down at the start of the season, he didn't complain. He didn't say anything. He just kept his head down and kept working. And I think that that's a super important thing to remember in terms of how we discuss what happened with Pascal Siakam here, because it could have went a completely different way and it didn't. And I think we should give him credit for that. I really do. Um, you know, I think we will wrap up this pod unless there's something else that people want to talk about, uh, what, while we discuss, while we discuss what's going on here with, uh, Masai Jiri presser, we can talk about that if people want, but I also think that, uh, you know, we could also wrap up the pod if, if we're good on the Masai Jiri talk, because I think, I think that Masai Jiri, the presser it's, it's worth people watching. I think I just thought you saw him being emotional, but I saw him, you know, I think that my biggest takeaways was, you know, he's super emotional about his relationship with Pascal Siakam, how difficult it was for him to trade both Pascal and OG, but they're kind of just at that time where decisions and tough decisions needed to be made because of their looming free agency. And, you know, he discussed how difficult that was, but his goal was to get younger and to get pieces around Scotty. He talked about, looking at what they were able to bring in in terms of two young players and draft picks that gives them a lot more flexibility going forward because you never know what guys might turn up to be available at the deadline or in the summer. And now you have a bunch of assets if you're the wraps that you might be able to jump in on one of these deals because we know how the NBA is moving, right? The NBA, one day a star is happy, the next day they're not. And you would rather be in a position where you have assets that people might want. So the flexibility was one thing Masai talked about. And also, I think the biggest thing he preached was patience. Patience, patience, patience. This might take a while to try to build another championship team. And so one of the things that I've been saying before that, but it was dope to hear Masai say it, is that understanding what's going on right now. It's about process. It's not really about you know these like, labels that we try to put on like is it a rebuild are they retooling it's like you're seeing what they're doing with the roster they're trying to get younger they're trying to build up assets again to be at a position where when a big trade is available to be made they have assets to try to jump in and strike so take this time with the raptors team enjoy watching the new members of this team enjoy you know, this run of seeing Scotty Barnes develop into the face of the franchise right before your eyes. I thought it was cool too. We had Vince Carter on the pregame show on our pregame show on Sportsnet. And it was cool. Like I, I watched the interview, I had to put it together. And the, the interesting part was hearing Vince talk about Matt Devlin asked Vince about um what it was like for him being the face of the franchise because he knows what Scotty Barnes is going through right now. And I thought Vince Carter made an interesting point that, you know. Scotty now being in his third year and now getting the keys handed to him, it's a lot different than Vince who walked in and on day one, you know, Oak and them are letting Vince know like, no, this is your team. Like you got to go. And just how different that is because you're trying to get your feet wet in the NBA period, but also having to do it with the massive expectations. And at least Scotty has a couple years under his belt where, you know, Fred was able to stand up to the media and talk about some of the tough times the Raptors were having. And now that's going to be Scotty every day. But as a rookie being in that spot, that's tough. So I thought that was interesting insight from Vince Carter, but that's why also it's dope when we get to hear from these athletes and hear from their shared experiences. It's always cool to see Alvin and, and, and Vince together because you could tell they they still have a good relationship joking around with each other and going back to their days playing in Toronto. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Interesting times in Raptors land despite the loss. Still a lot to talk about and thank you for tuning in with me here as the Raptors fall 116 to 110 to the Chicago Bulls. As mentioned, Scotty Barnes with 31 points, six assists, seven rebounds for Scotty Barnes. But on the flip side, it was Nikola Vucevic and DeMar DeRozan, both with 24 points to lead the way for the Bulls. 
who outscored the Raptors 70 to 50 in terms of points in the paint in this game. The Bulls closed the game on a 13 to 3 run over the last four minutes and 15 seconds. That was the difference. What do you do in winning time? But this is the process. This is what it's going to be going forward for the Raptors learning how to win. And we get front row seats to watch it all and then discuss it on this podcast. And I thank you for that. And I appreciate that. So thank you, everyone, for tuning in and sending in all the comments. Huge shouts to all the people watching. If you are still in the chat anywhere, bless the video with the like. We appreciate that movement for sure. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube page at Canada Hoops Daily. Also on Instagram at Canada Hoops Daily. That's how you become a part of the show there. And on the app formerly known as Twitter at Can Hoops Daily. That's how you can interact with us live here after each and every Toronto Raptors game. Also, if you missed the pod live, no worries. We got you covered. Ends up on Apple and on Spotify. You can find us there under Canada Hoops Daily. Again, big shouts to the Canada Hoops Daily crew for bringing back this to wrap it up podcast because the vibes are high within the Raptors fan base. And you know what? I enjoy our conversations. I enjoy breaking it down and hearing the thoughts of the people, the Raptors fan base, the We the North Nation, the people that make this team what they are. So thank you all for joining me. And as I always say, I used to pray for times like this to rhyme like this. This is Canada Hoops Daily Presents Wrap It Up Podcast coming to you live after each and every Toronto Raptors game, live and interactive, and as always, unpolished and unapologetic. Until next time, see ya.